Hi, I'm Chuck Fletcher. Hi, my name is Olivia Young, coach of the Flyers. Hey, I'm Travis Konechny. Hey, this is Jeremy Roenick. Hi, this is Travis Sanon. Hi, I'm Paul Hogan. Hey, I'm Scott Lawton. Hi, I'm Joel Fairby. Hi, this is Bob Clark. And you're listening to Snow the Goalie. 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 Oh, yes, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast, news podcast, players podcast, prognosticators podcast, being like podcast, campers podcast. I don't know if I said prognosticators podcast, but I did. I, I said it again. I'll say it one more time. The presidential podcast. Listen, it's the only Flyers podcast. We know this. Everybody knows this. It's, it's a very well-established fact. But today we record this show uh, and we have a special guest who you can see in the title. There's like no big reveal. That's not how podcasts work. Uh, you can see that we have uh, the real number 19. Derek Broussard is on the show. We'll get to that in a little bit. Um, you will also notice that Chris Terrian is not here this week. So if you're listening for Bundy, you know, stick around, but Bundy won't be here today. That it is not a problem. He's on business today. So don't, don't worry. Anybody who's out there panicking, Bundy is okay. We still love Bundy. Bundy loves us. We're all great. In fact, Bundy got on to the press row show the other day. He had a business meeting and he jumped out of the meeting to hop on to the press row show the other night um, ahead of the Bruins game. So Bundy will be back. Fear not, he'll be back next week. But in the meantime, it's myself, it's Ant. Follow him on Twitter at Ant San Philly. Anthony, this team is off to a 2 0 and 1 start. And honestly, were it not for a skills competition, this team could conceivably be 3 0 and 0. But let's let's keep it as it is. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how are you feeling so far, three games into the season? I'll tell you what the most impressive thing is to me, Ross, because I mean, I, I'm not surprised that they're 2-0-1 considering who the the opponents were. Uh, I probably would have said that they would have beaten Vancouver and Seattle and maybe lost that overtime or shootout game to Boston. But, I mean, otherwise, 2-0-1 is not a surprise considering the three opponents. But the surprise to me is how prolific the offense has been through the course of three games, that the fact that they're averaging 5.33 goals per game through three games, again, just three games. And I know early season hockey, you tend to score a little bit more and then it gets tightening tightens up, you know, as the season progresses, but these lines have looked really good so far this season. And that's, what's, that's, what's most impressive to me because now, and I, I wrote about this prior to the Boston game, uh, you know, that the, the, the fab line Faraby, um, Atkinson and Broussard, that they that their ability to produce goals as a second line makes life easier on Couturier, Giroux, and Konechny. One, because they don't have to feel the pressure to constantly produce all the time, to be the only line producing. And secondly, it creates a situation where the opposition coach might say, okay, well, now how do I deploy my defense against this team? Um, and they, they may want to put them out there against – they may want to put that better defensive pair out against uh, the Broussard line rather than the Couturier line. And it gives maybe gives Couturier's line a little bit more time and space to create offense. That and the power play has been better. Uh, obviously, Keith Yandel's got five assists in through three games. I mean, that's that's not something that I don't think anybody uh, thought was going to be the case, right? So there, there's a lot to like about the way that they're playing offensive hockey to this point, and that that to me is the big surprise. So I mean, let's get into a couple of things, right? Because in our season predictions podcast, uh, we all agreed—you, me, and Bundy—we all talked about the fact that this team could theoretically. Struggled to score goals early on, especially because Kevin Hayes wasn't, you know, going to be in the lineup for a bit. And we wondered, and, and we had recorded that before um, it was announced that he was uh, placed on LTIR, which, I mean, in actuality, I think was kind of expected, but it was just a, a paper move at that point. Their ability to generate high danger chances has been nothing short of sensational. Their ability and their willingness to fire the puck from all angles is the thing that has stood out to me so far. We're talking about shots that this team just historically would not look to fire on net. And what it's done, at least in the case of, say, the Seattle game, was generate real big rebound opportunities, which this team has, you know, had the ability to to put in the back of the net. I guess the thing that I, I think has to be maybe the most positive thing to come out of these three games, we can certainly talk about the fact that Bundy's hot take, this team goes as, as Carter Hart goes, seems to, you know, be ringing true at, at least through three games or the, the two that he played at least. But you think about Travis connecting and you think about Joel Farabee 
And it feels like every year we sit back and go, I don't know. Like you want to believe that Joel Farabee is going to be able to continue finding the back of the net, but like there, there's supposed to be a slump early in a guy's career. And yet he's already adjusted well to this season and has already found the, the back of the net three times. You look at Travis Konechny, who didn't look like the same guy uh, last year as he was the year prior. And, and look what he's done. Found the back of the net three times as well. Cam Atkinson, who we both thought had a legitimate chance to be a high 30 goal scorer. And I, you know, I said, well, maybe you get him on the right line. 40's not out of the question. I know that he, he wasn't that kind of a goal scoring threat the last two years, but like realistically could be. But Ant, I, I think we got to say, maybe the biggest positive is uh, your hot take about Claude Giroux being a point per game player because uh, three games in, the man is a point per game player starting the season with two, not one, but two goals in the first two games. That's that's something. Yeah, I mean, I, look, I, I think that there's, there's a lot of motivation for Giroux this year. Um, he's in the last year of a contract. I think that it's a situation where he wants to stay here and the flyers want him to stay here. Um, and it's going to be a matter of, l- let me see what I can, if I can put together the kind of season that I need to put together, I might be able to get a little bit more out of that next deal. Right. I mean, you know, this is what happens with free agents in every sport. I mean, this isn't anything new. I mean, if you're in your final season, you want to have a prove it year so that you can make as much as, as, as possible the following season. So I think that there's that motivation, but I also think there's the motivation of this is his last year here right now. And we don't know what the future lie, what lies ahead in the future. And he's always going to be considered one of the great flyers, but what is that legacy going to be? Is that legacy going to be like Archie Manning, as a quarterback where he was a really good quarterback on a horrible new Orleans team for his entire career. And, and Claude Giroux would be a good player on a bad flyers team for a decade. Um, or does that legacy include something that has success attached to it, maybe towards the end, which could be this year. And so I think that those are the two motivations. Yeah. You know, one is personal and financial and, and money, but the second is, is where he fits long-term in the history of this franchise. And I, I think Giroux wants that. I think he wants to be remembered as a guy who was a great player who did something here in Philadelphia and not just uh, such a shame they never won with him kind of thing. So I think that that's what's kind of motivating him this year. Plus you bring in the players that they brought in um, and and the the kind of personalities that they are. And, and you you know, you'll hear when we talk to Broussard, Broussard talks a little bit about this, about how the, the, he wishes the fans could see what that locker room is like. Um, and how much they really enjoy each other and enjoy being around each other. I, I think that that's something that's, that's only going to motivate Drew even more. And I think that that's what makes him uh, out to have one of those more special seasons than, than not. I've made this comparison before. I don't know if I've done it on this show. I've done it on other shows, but to me, Claude Giroux in the city of Philadelphia, the best comp is Allen Iverson. And I, I say that because you think about, he had a season that he probably should have won the Hart Trophy or should have at least been a top two finalist. Allen Iverson obviously had the MVP year. But then you had a lot of years where the team was a bubble team at best, and there were other years where it looked like the team was almost intentionally squandering legitimate opportunities to contend. And you had a player who was giving their heart and soul to the city, a player who a lot of fans identified with in their respective sport. And you look back at Iverson's career and you say, you know, you think back to the to the the 01 finals run and you think of that guy and you think of the guy who gave it all for the for the city and then you don't really think about the years that followed after because he was shipped away and there were a lot of really great years but ultimately you look back on the legacy and you say man they were a lot of playoff bubble teams and you just wish they, they could have given him somebody else in the case of Giroux like obviously hockey is very different than basketball right you need more good players in order to actually make a a, a deep legitimate run to the the final Giroux had some talent around him but like let's not bury the lead here there there were a number of his prime years that were effectively wasted mm-hmm. as this team tried to rebuild and that I think all along was the problem for people like me who sat back and said like you got to make a decision one way or the other right you either have to go full teardown and give these guys who've given everything they have the opportunity to contend or you've got to sell some of the farm and you've got to supplement this team with like some legitimate additions. 
This team, if nothing else right now, is exciting to watch. And obviously, when you have a team that's finding the back of the net at the rate that this team has, that's inherently exciting. But like, I don't know if it's if it's just an eye test thing. I don't know if it's just a perception thing. But the fact that it doesn't seem like this team is getting lost in itself, overthinking and trying to make that cute last pass, that cute final pass, and they're just firing the puck. That to me is like the thing that stands out the most that makes this team enjoyable to watch. And doesn't it make it feel maybe like the burden that it has felt like watching, you know, at least the the prior few years. I don't know if, if that also connects with you or if, you know, the way you view the game is different. No, it, it does connect with me a lot. I think that I think you're pretty spot on with that. Um, the one thing I wanted to address as far as Drew is concerned is there's been some rumor out there. I don't know if you've seen this. I mean, it's it's kind of taken a, a life of its own. There was an um, Al Morgani did an interview and I forget who he was doing the interview. with. It was a radio interview or a podcast interview. I forget where it was. Um, and they were asked. They asked him about Drew. Um, and if Drew would, you know, if the Flyers didn't get off to a good start or whatever, would Drew potentially waive his no trade clause? And Morgani said, I, I don't know. I don't think he would. I think the only place that he would consider going is Ottawa. And that makes sense. It's where he lives in the offseason, right? I mean, it's, it's you know, close to where he's from and where he grew up. Um, so so he puts that out there. And then, you know, one of the the wonky little uh, Facebook websites that always links everything, you know, quotes um, Al Morgani and says, uh, Claude Giroux could be traded to the Ottawa Senators. All right. And and, and like, there was never anything to that. Yep. And, and so we, we kind of let it go because, you know, we get tired of beating that dead horse. Then all of a sudden today I see it's in sports illustrated and the hockey news. And again, it's all speculation and it's all speculation built around that one thing that Al said on a podcast that did at no point was it like, you know, this is going to happen. Yeah. And so what I want to say and what I want to address is that, you know what, guys, it, is it possible that Claude Giroux would go to Ottawa if that came to be? Certainly, I guess it's possible. But the reality of it is, is that he wants to stay here. The Flyers want to bring him back. I know this. I've talked to people. And if, if you ask, I wish Bundy were here because he would have said it. We've had this conversation off air. Bundy would, would agree 100% that the organization wants to keep him here. Yeah. Um, and, and that's going to be their goal. Even if he hits free agency, the goal is still going to be to bring Giroux back here. So let's not make it out to be honest. If you're seeing this, if you're seeing this out there, if you're seeing it, in, like I said, SI, Hockey News, I think it's a lot of bluster and there's not a lot to it. And I honestly think it's pretty shoddy reporting, to be honest with you. Golly gee willikers. I think, and I don't want to get down this road because we've had a positive podcast. So let's keep it positive. Uh, the only thing that I, I think maybe is worth questioning is if he maintains anywhere near this kind of production, which I don't think he will, um, but say he finishes in like the, I don't know, 60 point range, which wouldn't be awful. Wouldn't be bad at all. Um, you almost wonder as an organization, when you kind of like look forward and you look at the, the years and the wear and tear on his body and everything, if you end up having, say, say it's between the flyers and Ottawa in the off season. Right. And you've got the heartstrings being tugged to go back to Ottawa. And then you have like the only team you've ever played for, uh, which obviously is going to have a better chance of contending, but like Philadelphia says, well, you know, we were kind of looking for like a four and a half or $5 million deal for two years and Ottawa comes in offering him almost the same salary, like offers him a high seven, low eight number for three or four years. That that would be a really interesting situation. I hope, you know, I, I think obviously at this point, you know, even for the for the Looney Tunes on Facebook who typically, you know, are, are shouting at clouds about how they should uh, strip the sea and all that nonsense, like Giroux like a guy that I think a lot of people would like to see only ever wear orange and black and see retire. I think more than anything, it would just be a nice thing. Like the team looks good right now. You don't want to get too emotionally invested or start to overrate their chances. But if this is what they look like right now, given one of the big holes in their lineup has been filled, at least in the interim here by Derek Broussard, like if this team's competitive, like I can almost see a way where Chuck Fletcher looks to try to add something at the deadline. I don't know how you do it with the cap situation as it is right now. But man, wouldn't it be a good feeling if 
this is the last year, one of the last years that Giroux's in town, that they give him the best chance he's ever had since oh. the, the cup run to make a run at the Stanley Cup. Yeah, and, and I, what I was going to say in your in your example, if it was the offseason and it came down between the Flyers and Senators, I think that the choice would really de- be determined by how this Flyers team finishes this season. If they get close, if they're a playoff team and they get to the conference final or something and and they're right there, I think Giroux comes back because he thinks that this team is is in that window. If they yeah. don't, if they miss the playoffs or they get bounced in the first round again, it's the same old, same old then I think you might see Giroux go and, and, and go to a team like Ottawa, who has got a lot of up-and-coming young talent and over the course of the next three seasons is probably going to become a, a really good contender in the Eastern Conference. So, um, I, bet that, so I, I bet that would be music to his ears. Hey, man, we have a lot of good young players to uh, believe in. <laughs> Where the hell has he heard that before? Yeah. All right. But anyway. But, so we want to get into this interview with Derek Broussard. Uh there's a lot of good stuff in here. There are a lot of good nuggets in here. There's a lot about the team behind the scenes that we got into as well with him. So, I mean, listen, for a guy that got brought in for less than $900,000 this off season, he sure has done a great job with that fab line so far. And um, I think people are really going to like him. Those who haven't heard him do an interview before, I think are, are really going to walk away liking him after listening to this. So without further ado. And when I say, let me just say, what? What? I haven't heard him do a one-on-one interview because I think, yeah, I think he's a little bit more, you know, he's going to he's going to give you the the generic answers in in a in a press conference, right? But when sure. you do a one-on-one interview with with Brass, you realize just how good a guy he is and he's got some fun stuff to say. Yep. So we'll have a little bit more on the other side of this, but right now, here's our interview with Derek Broussard. Oh, yes, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Snow the Goal, the only Flyers podcast, People's podcast, the Players podcast, Prognosticators podcast, PDLA podcast, Players podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, the Derek Broussard cast, because you wanted him. You wanted to hear from him. And a man who, I mean, let's be honest, number 19's in this franchise history. They're, uh, you know, it's a little bit up and down, but this man, through three games, is already lighting the hockey world on fire. Of course, Derek Broussard, thank you for joining Snow the Goalie today. All right, thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, you know, Derek, it's, it's been kind of an interesting thing because, you know, you were such a late signing. It was, it was right at the end of August or towards the end of August when you signed with the team. And now here you are, um, really, I think it's two months to the day or two, maybe one extra day, um, three games into the season, playing on the second line. You guys are incredibly productive, uh, you know, leading the, you know, guys leading uh, the, the, the team in scoring as a line. Uh, how did this just kind of like this whirlwind kind of come together with such uh, great chemistry so quickly? Yeah, well, basically we, we played, I think, two preseason games together as a line because uh, I played in Bridgeport and I think Cam and, uh, and Bees didn't play that game. So um, basically we were just, we're just playing. We're, we just kind of read out of each other. And uh, it's been, uh, you know, it's been fun playing those two guys. Like they're so talented and they're different players. And, um, you know, Cam's, he's got the nose to around the net. He's, he's, he's a really good goal scorer and he's, he's good everywhere. I don't know if you guys noticed, like he, he kills penalties. He's really good with his stick. And, um, and Joel is like a smart player all around. He plays in every situation as well. And, um, you know, we honestly, we don't even talk about plays or anything. We just kind of play and we try to stay close to each other in the, in the offensive zone, trying to create some plays and, um, I think that's the key to our success right now. Yeah, you know, another thing, though, you, you mentioned you only played the two preseason games, but one of the things that was really kind of interesting was um, this year AV came into camp and there was no tinkering. Like, he threw lines together right off the bat, and you guys practiced pretty much every day. And It wasn't like, oh, let's see if this guy works with this guy. You guys mm-hmm. were together from practice from day one. How much does that really help the continuity of, of the line, even though you weren't really playing games per se? Yeah, I mean, um, I feel like the, the experience I have with that, like, uh, usually, like, they're going to throw, like, a young guy with, like, some veteran guys in the first days of camp or the first preseason. But uh, um, I think the lines are pretty clear from the first day of camp and uh, kind of gives you an idea uh, where the, the team wants to go and uh, where the coach wants to, to go with, uh, you know, start of the season on time. And, um, yeah, basically, like I said, like, um, the lines are going to change a few times during the year. There's, there's no way we're going to go into 82 games with the same lineup and the same lines. It's just not the way it is in the NHL. And uh, 
there's going to be some highs and some lows and uh, you're just gonna you're just you're yeah basically you're just gonna try to find the right chemistry with the right players and you might not play with the same guys for a few games but you might come back with those guys and you're gonna have some guys coming back in the lineup uh which is gonna be nice um but yeah like yeah you gotta be open to play with everyone uh, you gotta accept your role and i feel like everyone's doing that in our dressing room so the one thing that you, I guess, don't have in common with the, your two line mates is, I mean, Joel Farabee's early in his career, but he's only ever played for the Flyers, and Cam Atkinson had played his entire career with Columbus. Mm-hmm. You are on your ninth team, and and I'm wondering, does that help? The, the fact that you've had to play on so many different lines with so many different players in so many different organizations, does that help make you more of like a chameleon? Does it make you more adaptable and, and make it easier for you to kind of adapt to the strengths of your line mates? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Um, actually, it's just, I think it's a lot easier to come in in a, a new dressing room and um, to just to feel comfortable with uh, your new teammates and everything. And we, we already have a really good group here. Like, it's been so much fun being around those guys. Like, um, we golfed before the season and we went back to Atlantic City. And, like, um, I wish people can see, like, on our dressing room how much fun we have. And uh, it makes it so much more enjoyable to come in and, and working every day. But, uh, yeah, I think as a player, too, you gotta, you got to adjust your game on depending on who, where you're playing in the lineup and who you're playing with. Uh, getting to know your teammates, the way they play and their style of play and everything. And uh, I knew Cam from before in Columbus, like uh, – and he's like one of my good friends. I was actually in his wedding and everything. So like, I know he is, I've been watching his games in Columbus, even if we're not playing on the same, on the same team, but like, I know what kind of player he is. I've been watching his games and everything. And Joel, like I, I, I watch games. Like I know who he was, I play against him. Like uh, we, when uh, I was with uh, the Islanders and we played the Flyers in the playoffs a few years ago. So I know what kind of game he plays and uh, you, you, you're just trying to adjust and, or like my line mates are doing the same depending on the way I, I play as a centerman and you just go from there. You, you mentioned your relationship with Cam. Um, obviously you have a pretty good relationship also with, uh, with Keith Yandel and, and Kevin Hayes from your time in New York. Um, it's not every day that, it, that a team that a few guys who are like really good friends have an opportunity in one off season to kind of come together on the same team. And I know that I know that in your situation, it wasn't necessarily fueled by that. I think you you were more looking for a, a situation where you felt you fit best and and had a chance to win and obviously playing for AV as well. But uh, c- can you just talk about it, like what the offseason was like for the four of you kind of piecing this together to get to end up the four of you together on the same roster? Yeah, I mean, it just kind of happened. Honestly, like Cam got traded here. And um, after that, I think uh, Keith signed, I think there's, um, you know, that Kevin was here. I think that had a huge impact on, on Keith being a flyer right now. And uh, I signed pretty late. And uh, for me, like, I was turning, I just turned 34. Like, uh, there's two teams that called before, and it was like, for me, they're not playoff teams. And um, it's not to just disrespect or anything. I just, I just want to have a chance to win. And when uh, when I saw that we uh, we acquired Ristolainen um, and Ellis and Martin Jones and Yans and Atkinson and like so on and so on, I was like, oh, like, that's going to be a pretty good team. And um, all the guys I knew and like AV and everything, like uh, I thought it was a pretty good fit. And I'm, I'm really honestly like I'm. I told uh, I told my family I'm like uh, I'm so happy that I'm here and I'm playing for the Flyers. When. As a free agent, when you're assessing which team or teams, you know, might call or which ones you think you might be a good fit for, is there like a, anything to the idea of there being momentum? Like you just mentioned all the guys that were traded for and were signed. Like this team was really going through an, an overhaul of sorts. Does that kind of thing catch your eye as a free agent on its own versus like a team that might feel or, or look more established in, in what they have? Like, do those moves all just kind of catch your eye and make you think of what could be? Yeah, I think when you're a free agent, that's the only thing you do. You look at rosters, you know, you're looking at like, okay, um, you're just looking for an opportunity and uh, yeah, you're just going through the like everyone's roster basically. And um, 
I have the chance to go like maybe elsewhere, maybe for a little bit more money. Um, but uh, yeah, I've said it a few times, like uh, where I'm at in my career, I want to have a chance to win. It's all about the fit and everything. And I feel here we have a chance. I'm not saying we're going to win it. Um, there's a lot of, a lot of work to do before we only played like three games so far, but um I know if we play our game the right way and everything, we just want to get in. And once you're in, you have a chance. So, well, can, can you talk about the dynamic that that comes with between a coach and a player? I mean, here's here's an opportunity where you're a free agent and you chose to go to a team that had a coach that you've played for before. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes, sometimes that's a gr- good relationship, and, and you say, "Yeah, well, that's somebody I want to play for." And sometimes that might be a deterrent for a guy and say, "I'm not going to that team because I don't like playing for that coach." Can, can you talk about what that kind of coach player relationship is like especially for yeah. you, know, you and av yeah i mean i had av in uh, with the rangers for four or five years and at that time we had like probably one of the best teams in the league we won uh, we lost in the cup final we lost in the conference final we we led the league in points one year and um you know it's i always thought AV was a good coach um i haven't seen him in a few years uh, but yeah, I, th- I feel like you adjust pretty well with the new the new NHL and everything. And um, for sure, like as a player, you always feel more comfortable when you know the coach has your back or whatever. Like, I feel like maybe um, he's got everyone's back here, and uh, we really enjoy playing for him. So when you scored a goal against Seattle the other night, <laughs> you joined you joined a list of of former Flyers. Um, I'm going to tell you these names, and I want to see if you know what what, what your connection is. Yarmir Yager, Mike Sillinger, Mike, yeah. uh, Michelle Petit, Jim Dowd, and Dean McCammon. Do you, do you know what, what list you joined with that? Yeah, that's like the, um, I saw that on NHL. I don't know why they posted it. <laughs> Every interview that I do, everyone's talking about that. But yeah, it's been, it's been a few, tough few years. Like um, in one year, I played for three teams. And I think that's the year I should have like, I told my agent, first of all, I, I got traded from the Rangers to Ottawa and I had one year left. We lost uh, Pittsburgh in the conference final and I got traded for Zbanejad. Zbanejad was like 22, 23. I was, I was like almost 30 or 31 or something like that. And the year after I had one year left on my contract and I remember the, G, the, the GM, he's still there right now. He just basically is like, he told my agent, he's like, we're going to blew this thing up. Like there's, so I was like sitting there like, okay, so why am I here right now? Like, why did you trade it for me? You just traded a 23 old like, you know, like first round pick. Um, right. So like I ended up going from Ottawa to go to Pittsburgh. And I remember at a time I had uh, the option of going to Winnipeg or Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh had a, won a few cups. Uh, so I was like, okay, like, Pittsburgh probably has the best best chance, so I picked there. Then worked out. Fit wasn't really good, and that's why it's like so important. Like that when guys are free agent, the first thing they should look at it's not like if there's like an ocean or a sick downtown or like the first thing you should look is the fit on the team. Yeah, and I end up going to Pittsburgh. Doesn't work out, and the year after that, at the deadline, I go to Florida. But I, I got I got to Florida and when I got the phone call, he's like, I'm gonna flip you back at the deadline. So I left like I left for three weeks to Florida. So now I'm like not even not like checked out because I know I'm gonna like get traded again. So I I I go I go to Colorado after for a playoff push. We get beat in the second round, first yeah, round, second, second round. round. Yep, yep. So like just there, it's like three teams in one year. I think I think it could have been a void. I, I should have just been okay. Uh, let's let's tell the GM. I just want to you know, let's let's like go on the reset button here and like go back in the summer and work work on my game, whatever, and be ready for the next season. But now I, I play for three teams and it just kind of rolls and rolls and rolls. And now I'm I'm at nineteen. Right now. Yeah, well, it's a, you're the eleventh player in the history of hockey to, to score a goal for for nine yeah. different teams that's that's still pretty cool though i mean it's i mean i know it's it's could be frustrating with all the trades but it's still a pretty cool stat when you look back at it um in 2015 i, I, oh, I, I want to derail this for a second so you mentioned off the the top that the team went golfing before the season 
So obviously the number one question is what's your handicap. And since you played for so many teams, I have to assume that you looked for, for courses uh, at a number of these cities. Can you give us like, I don't know, your favorite couple of, of courses that you've had the chance to play on? Um, yeah. Um, I spend my summers in Montreal. So we have a really nice one there. It's called Laval Slovak. It's pretty, it's pretty good. But like in the States, um, I've golf in California at LA country club. Um, the Trump, uh, course there is really nice as well. Um, in Colorado, I play in Columbia. So like double, a double Eagle, um, Sayoto, there's a few really nice ones in Long Island as well as a really nice golf course. I can't remember the names of all of them. I think one is like uh, Garden City Men's Club or something like that. It's like one of the nicest in the States. Mm -hmm. But uh, I was talking with my golf buddies from back home and he was like, everyone, you should go to Pine Valley. <laughs> but the guys told me that it was pretty hard to get in. So we'll see if I can meet someone as a member there. We'll put that what's your hand. The what's, your hand what's your handicap? I'm like around like an eight or something like that. That's not, and, that's uh, not bad. Actually, me and TK, we won, we won that little competition we did that day. It was a scramble at uh, two and we, we won. We took, we took it home. Have, have you had a chance to uh, talk to Danny Briere at all? Cause he's a, he's a scratch golfer. He's really good. Oh yeah. See like Danny's from my hometown. Yeah. Or wait, I'm going to rephrase this. I'm from Danny's hometown. <laughs> <laughs> um i i grew up like watching him so basically he uh yeah we played from the same age of triple a team he got drafted to drummondville in the queue that's where i played yeah. um and yeah he played in arizona i played there as well played here and playing here as well um so yeah it's basically like um i i i love the way he played the game and i thought he was a really good guy um I was always like so nervous when I met him, like to talk, to actually talk to him when I saw him in the summers and stuff, but he's like, he's so down to earth, like one of the best guys in hockey. And I didn't know he was really good at, at golf. Probably going to have to test him one day and yeah. bring him on the course. Yeah. I, I, I actually had an opportunity a few years back to be his caddy. And, <laughs> and he was, un, he was unbelievable. Like I, I had never been, and you know, I never, I'd watched the pros play as a member yeah. of the media, but this was the first time like up close and personal. And it was just, like, he was sensational. He was, he was really, really good. So if you, if you get an opportunity, I'm not, I'm would, not surprised. Yeah. If you get an opportunity, I would recommend going out for a round with Danny. A um, right. uh, couple more questions for you. I, you know, I saw an S you did an SI interview sports illustrated a few years back. Um, and in that interview um, you called Claude Giroux, the fiercest competitor in the NHL. Um, and now you get to be his teammate. Do you, do you still feel that way in a lot of ways? And, and do you see a lot of the things that he does maybe off ice in practice or in the room that kind of makes you say, yeah, I was right about that six years ago. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally, uh, um, I still think, uh, this, the same way about G and now that I, I'm in the same locker room, it's, uh, it's pretty surreal. Honestly, like, um, the career he had in this market and everything like the, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that people, that people really appreciate, I think, of the work he's done in the last few years as a captain as well. And, uh, um, yeah, he's just like a real, like he's a competitor. Like every, everything he does, it's like his, he's, he doesn't have a bad day. He's always fired up. And um, I think that's one of the reasons why he had so much success and he put so many points on the board is because he, he wants it a little bit more than anyone, uh, everyone else. And um, it's all credit to him. He's like, he was an Olympian before, uh, playing the World Cup as a captain. I'm pretty sure he won the World Championship at one point. It'd be nice for him to host the, the main trophy, and um, it says it says a lot about him and his career. All right, now away from hockey. Anyway, we know we talked about golf, but one of the things we always ask the guys is, you know, because you, you have, I guess, your downtime, but you haven't had the chance to be on the road yet, but um, when you guys are, you know, on the, on the road and, and stuck in the hotel, you guys are watching shows and stuff. Is there anything you're streaming, anything that you're watching that people should be watching right now? Uh, no, we were at, we were, we were actually talking about like new shows to watch and everything. Um, I watched that squid games or whatever. It's Did you like it? Kind of, yeah. It's kind of weird a little bit. Yeah. I just got <laughs> done with it. Like I watched it with my girlfriend and everything, but, um, yeah, outside of that, honestly, like I, um, 
the last few years have been tough with COVID. Like we didn't do much. We just stayed at the hotel and everything. Right. But, uh, we, we were playing cards a lot. I like play uh, in the plane or whatever. We we had like a room at the hotel. So I was, uh, I was a card player with the with the guys there. Pretty sure we're gonna have uh, some some card games going on with our team. Um, but yeah, like I was looking for new shows. I think there's a show called You on uh, Netflix. Yeah. I yeah. think the season three is out. Um, but yeah, I honestly, it's uh, at 34 now. Like when I'm not playing, I try to recover as much as I can. <laughs> I don't recover like like I used to. So it's uh, it's all about. Um, uh, getting treatment every day and making sure the body's ready to go to, per- to perform at my best. And uh, it's a long season. There's only three games. You're looking at that. You're like, holy shit. <laughs> we have a long way to go here. But I, th- I think with like the Olympics this year, it's going to cut the season in half a little bit. Yeah. And we're going to be off for like three weeks. Um, and it's also going to be nice to watch that because I remember that as a kid, like watching the Olympics, whatever it's U.S. against Canada, right? Canada, Russia, or like those games are all, like the best of the best playing with each other. I think that's going to be fun for for the game of hockey, and it's going to be nice to get away from the game and go back home or whatever we got to do, but uh, stay in shape as well and uh, be ready for another big push for hopefully the playoffs and more. Do you think that could be helpful to you and and to guys who you know feel like you that? you know, need a little bit more in terms of recovery after games. Like is the, the momentary pause there helpful or does that maybe cause physical problems because it, it, it kind of puts you on ice for a bit there. Right. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes like we have like two days in between games and we're going to have a day off or something like that. And the next day we practice and you're like, you literally feel like you haven't skated in like a month. <laughs> <laughs> it takes a while. It takes like 20 minutes for your body to get going. But yeah, it's, I think it's, um, we've done it a few times the last few years, right? With the World Cup and we had the bye week and everything. So you just got to gotta keep going and keep the body moving and everything. Uh, but uh, there's going to be some, some, some guys going to be hurt and everything and knock on wood here. But um, it's nice for those guys to get that, that extra time to, you know, be healthy and be ready for the last push of the season. All right, I got to ask you something that I know everybody in town's been talking about for three weeks, at least three weeks, maybe a little bit longer. The goal song. What is your what is your thought on the goal song that was selected this year for for the yeah, Flyers? I like I like our song. Like we 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 got to vote like everyone else. I like our goal song. It's yeah. um, you know by the way the atmosphere the last few games it's so nice. Like we've been playing without fans for a year and a half now. Just the energy that the crowd brings and everything—it's, uh, oh, it's pretty, it's pretty awesome. And uh, I love it when we score. Like everyone's like standing, clapping, whatever. It's uh, gets it gets us fired up, and uh, I love it. What song did you vote for? That one. <laughs> this girl. You voted for this girl. Come on, Russ. Why you don't That's like it? it? I Russell, okay. you don't like it. Or? You know, the, here's the thing, though. I, I feel like the other two finalists, there was something to latch on to and sing along with. I feel like we need to come up with something that lets people sing along with the goal song. Uh, that might be the soccer fan in me. Like, I'm I'm used to, you know, chants and songs. And I feel like it kind of builds that atmosphere. And I don't know what you sing along with yet in this one. I think we'll come mm-hmm. up with something, though. Well, here's here's the thing. Here's the thing, Brass. And, and, and I think Buffalo is ahead of the curve a little bit here. And I'm going to ask you what you would do. The Sabres are allowing each player to have their own yeah, goal like song. Washington. Uh, Washington's doing it too? Okay. Yeah, and I so think if, Tampa Bay added in a few years ago with like Marty St. Louis or whatever. Okay, know. all right. So if you had to pick your own goal oh, song. We <laughs> were talking about that the other day. I have no idea. <laughs> I just like something that gets everyone fired up, but I know where Russ is coming from The I don't know, maybe we can have like a different song for like maybe an OT winner, something like that. You yeah. know, like uh, that's kind of a good idea. I I don't know, like maybe one for the power play goals. Ah, I like. I it. like. I, see, I like these ideas you're throwing out because now we're absolutely going to have to like take this to the people. We'll get the rabid fan base, and then if the organization yeah. gets upset, we'll we will defend you. It was never your idea. <laughs> yeah, this podcast no, yeah. never happened. I think it's a great idea, especially the OT winner. Give it something that makes it feel even more special. Yeah, you gotta you gotta think about like how your teams are coming in Philly. 
and they have to come and play in our building and they're like oh no that song again or something like that you know right. like, well, I mean, it's, I mean, you remember like with Chicago. I mean, how, how tired did you get of hearing Chelsea Dagger? Oh, yeah. You know, every time that they would score, right? I mean, that's Trust definitely... me, I heard, it, I heard it a few times when I was playing in Columbus and we're in the same division. <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> yeah. Guys were actually like in Columbus. We're actually like, like, I remember I was playing with Mike Commodore and in Columbus in those days, like we were not very, very good. And like by towards the end of the season, we were out of the playoffs and we were like, Landing at, in Chicago, like, <laughs> <laughs> they had all the guys buzzing around. Well, you know, we used to hate as members of the media, we used to hate coming into Columbus knowing that that cannon was going to go off because, yeah. like, we weren't used to it. And it's just like the boom, and you just get that, yeah. you know, that feeling in your, in your chest, right? You're like, oh, where did that come from? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so. that cannon. <laughs> uh, last question I have for you. Um, it's kind of a two-part. How many question. extra? How many last questions are you going to have no, for the guy? This is Let my last. Go, one. This is God my sakes, last one. Man. This is my last one. I don't know if you have anything else for us, but no, no. I'm, um, I'm gonna, I, I want to let the guy go. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No. But this, this is it. Um, it's all good. Uh, you've, you've had, obviously you've had an opportunity to play in a lot of arenas in your life. It doesn't necessarily have to be an NHL arena per se. But I want to know if uh, if you had a favorite arena that you like playing in, and then secondly, if there is a favorite memory of like something that a fan did. Um, in that oh. arena that kept you guys talking about, you know, on the bench or in the locker room afterwards. A fan. Honestly, like, since I've been playing, I think it's pretty, like, security is, like, a, a little bit better than before I, I got in the league, like, 13, 14 years ago. Well, that's why I said I remember, I remember that clip, though. They always show that Ty Domi here in Philly with yeah. that fan. <laughs> yeah. It's always, like, it's always popping on, uh, I don't know if it's NHL Network, whatever, but... Yeah. Uh, for me, like the, like whatever it's like the Rangers, Islanders, or like Rangers Flyers, all that team from around here, I think the atmosphere is probably one of the best in hockey. Yeah. I played here with the Rangers against uh, yeah, the Flyers and it was, it was pretty special. Uh, it's just this, it's the same when the Islanders and the Rangers are facing each other, especially in the old barn in, in Long Island. Yeah. It's, up there and, yeah uh, i love their rivalry i think uh there's not there's not a lot of rivalries like that in the, in the west maybe calgary edmonton when they face each other yeah but when the teams from metro they face each other like washington's a lot building uh pittsburgh yeah uh, it's it's fun but like i don't remember any anything like with fans or anything well th that's why i was telling you you can go back to you can go back to the queue if you if there was something from the queue that you remember the you know? fans <laughs> we had so who was it russ that told us that the it fans was jordan took off so jordan wheel a few years ago came on the show and told us about how a guy uh ripped off his prosthetic leg and filled it up with a beer and was chugging beer and passing it around to people in the stands i don't know if any <laughs> like honestly i don't know if any story is ever going to beat that but yeah yeah. No, I honestly have nothing for you guys, but um, yeah, I just trying to, when I play, I try to kind of like, I just focus on the game, obviously, but uh, no, I have nothing for you guys. That's all, that's all good. I, that's all good. I haven't asked this question in a long time because nobody ever agrees with me, but this is my last thing. If you had to pick one hockey movie to watch, just one, you only ever get to watch one hockey movie. And that's it. It could be funny. It could be, you know, Slap dramatic shot. or whatever. See? <laughs> it's not even a question, Russ. You know what he picks? He picks Brad. Someday. He picks, he picks Goon. Goon? His, oh, you like Goon? Goon is okay. I think Goon's like a good quotable movie. I think about like, when I think about a movie, I think I want something that's either quotable or something that I'm going to like have side splitting laughter. And like Goon yeah. never, Goon never comes up small. I always laugh at Goon. Yeah, Goon is good. Goon was playing an action in our room the other day. We always have like, I know was in charge of that, but like that we obviously have a different like rooms and everything. So uh, he always puts up a movie, whether it's in the hot tub, in the cold tub area, or like in the uh, in the gym or like wherever we eat in the lounge. There's always a movie, and Goon was playing the other day, and guys were pretty into it. But I feel like right. Slapshot, even in like 20, 30 years from now, it's still gonna be the best movie. I, I agree. The classic. Everyone. Uh, you're right. You're 100 right, Brass. No question. No question. Mighty Ducks too. Mighty Ducks one, two. Three. Oh yeah. See, there we go. <laughs> yeah. 
That's why you guys are a little bit closer in age. Like I'm a little bit older than both of you guys. Yeah, so that's all right. yeah. So I get it. I get it. Well, listen, Derek Broussard, we really appreciate you coming on the podcast today. All the best to you. Uh, keep keep it going. Uh, fans are loving this, the start this year, and hopefully you guys can keep this thing rolling. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. See you around. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is Flyer Center. Number 19, Derek Broussard. Um, and I don't know if you saw this or not, yeah. But Derek, Derek Broussard right now, through three games, has how many points? Through three games, how many points does Derek Broussard have? Yes. Does he have four? No. Five. He has five. Okay. And, I, I couldn't and, remember. I know he has the one goal. I couldn't remember if he had three or four assists. I'm pretty sure he has five. I'm okay. like mostly sure. Like in my mind, he's got five. Um, and I just wanted to ask you, um, last year, there was a guy who wore number 19 in <laughs> Philadelphia and um, he had, I'm sorry, Broussard has, has uh, four points. I thought, okay. The, the old number 19 finished the season after 52 games with just nine points. I don't remember his name, but I did see that apparently that same player um, has no points so far in three games for the Vegas Golden Knights. And one of the other guys that was traded in that same uh, Ryan Ellis deal, Phil Myers, has been scratched in the last two games. So is it too early to say that Chuck Fletcher is the executive of the year? Do we go, do we go that far, Ant? <laughs> well, well, I'll put it to, maybe I'll I'm put serious. It to, I don't know. I'll put it to you this way. Um, there's no doubt that Derek Broussard will end up being a better player than the former number 19 guy. Mm-hmm. Um as far as Chuck Fletcher, I mean, look, it's three games for us, right? But at the same time, if the I didn't mean to the, make this an actual talking point, Ed. well, no, it's it okay. If joke. the it no, was a I, I knew it was a joke, but but I will say this: if the Flyers not just make the playoffs, they have to. If they're if they're a lock in, they're not a wild card. They're in one of those top two or three spots in the in the division. It's certainly going to be. He's certainly going to be a finalist. Yeah, I, I, when you turn over the team that much. And you go from non-playoff team to potential division winner or second place in your division, you're at least going to be in the in the conversation. Yeah. All right. So I feel pretty good about where things stand right now. I think you probably feel pretty good about where things stand. There's one thing that we didn't get to last week, and I felt really bad about it. We were up against it time-wise, so we didn't we didn't get there. And we always tell people, you leave a five-star review, we're gonna read the, the review on the show. And then last week, I kind of went back on that. I went back on that long-held belief and that long-held promise to you, the I listeners. You and I felt really bad about it, but I had to run to a meeting. And I don't have to run to a meeting right now, which means I can get to the five-star review. And, and I don't know if, well, I don't know if you've seen this or not. And it's kind of tricky because we have like the Lee C five-star reviews where like, I think it makes it look like there are more reviews. I'm not totally sure, but we're, we're, I, we're, we're over 200 five-star reviews at this point, which is a really great thing. Actually, we hit we hit 200 right on the dot. We're at over 200 five-star ratings, but we're at 200 five-star reviews. Uh, I think when we get to 300, we'll do a, a nice giveaway. There's some stuff that, that uh, we have at our disposal. All right, let's go here because we've got two new five-star reviews. The first one is from a, uh, from a person who you and I have gotten to know a little bit better on the Press Row Show as he's uh, revealed his identity with his Facebook. Yeah. But we're going to go here to Roar68, who says, five stars, I'll take the first Snow the Goalie t-shirt. Must listen to every week. Would like to know the backstory of Anthony's un- underwear ad pics on Twitter and Russ's former boy band Menudo pics. What's the story? Love the ad of Chris to the show. Appreciate his respect of what guys like Homegrin does behind the scenes. Love Bundy flyer hot takes. I'm, I'm emphasizing for all caps. Don't hold your tongue, Chris. That should be a segment, Bundy Flyer Hot Takes. And then he mentioned that at the 28 minute of the uh, episode he was reviewing, Tarion talked about Team Unity uh, with the the 98 Tampa Bay Tucker um, Nazarov jumping Lacroix or Lacroix? Lacroix. 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 Yeah, it's like Lacroix, the the Seltzers, right? And Lindros goes after Nazarov in the parking lot after the game. That's Team Unity. That's Beer League stuff. Love it. Chris, please comment. You were there 13 years uh, statute of limitations are up. Please tell. So we'll make sure that we get Bundy back on that. We'll let him know about Roar 68's question. Maybe we'll get there next week. 
Uh, and are you happy that Roar 68 finally left a five-star review after years of harassing us on the Press Row show? For four years. I mean, the guy's been harassing us. It's about damn time you put a review out. That's right. He's been Photoshopping you on a not-so-flattering picture. That's definitely not you. Well, I'm guessing it's not you. I haven't seen you in a Speedo, but, you know. Not me. All right, and then let's go to the, the uh, other five-star review this week from R. Gaffney, who says, the only true Flyers podcast. True in all caps. Five stars. Finally, a show or podcast where they tell the truth and don't butter up their opinions. A great mix of personalities. Bundy definitely puts the show over the top. He is the man. I hate how most shows play the politically correct game and don't want to hurt feelings. Most shows spend time making excuses for the Flyers when Snow the Goalie simply tells it like it is. A breath of fresh air. Do yourself a favor and give it a listen. Best Flyers podcast by far. Well, thanks, R. Gaffney. That's always nice. It's a good one. I, I, think, I think it's a positive. Now, listen, we've got... The Flyers are taking on the Panthers at home. We're still, I think, making a determination as to uh, press row show for tomorrow. The one nice thing, and this is what we got to put on display against Boston, was Bundy and I both did the show from our homes. I think that really is going to be the goal unless a rare opportunity pops up where all three of us are busy. We're going to try to make sure we have a press row show available, at least for pregame of every Flyers home game. Remember that you can find that on Twitter and on Facebook by the Snow the Goalie account and the Crossing Broad account. You can also find the show being live streamed on Twitter uh, at Joy on Broad. Ant usually retweets it. Bundy usually retweets it. So you can, you can find it on Twitter. You can find it on Facebook. You can also find this show to follow along uh, during games and obviously in between games at Snow the Goalie on Twitter and Instagram, facebook.com slash Snow the Goalie. If you're on Facebook and you'd rather listen to it there, they also have the built-in podcast app on uh, on Facebook now, which is interesting to say the least. But um, usually, and I don't, I don't know if this episode will be, I think the interview with Derek Broussard will eventually be up on YouTube on the Crossing Broad channel. You can go look yep. for that there. I don't think we're going to put the whole episode of me and you looking at each other. It's a little bit more editing than uh, I think we want to put a video guide Craig through. But Look for that interview to go up on YouTube at some point. In the meantime, make sure you follow Anthony all over on Twitter at AntSanPhilly. You can find me on Twitter at JoyOnBroad. Of course, all of those links, all of those different places you can find us in the show are available in the description of this episode. Just pull it up on your favorite podcast app. You can click on it. It'll take you right there and you can follow us wherever you get your podcasts and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram. What's up? And Bundy at Terry And Bundy, sorry. At Cetarian Six, of course. I don't want Bundy to come after me now. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week with a new episode of Snow the Goalie. And keep your eyes peeled on the Crossing Broad and Snow the Goalie accounts for Flyers, Panthers. We'll see if we have a press row show. If we don't, we'll make sure that we uh, send something out on Twitter. But in the meantime, for Ant, for Bundy, wherever he is, I'm Russ. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you again next week. Hi, this is Derek Broussard, and you're listening to Snow Goalie with Russell and Antony. <laughs> Look at that. Look at that. Thank you. And I love it. Yeah, it's all good. It's all good. Good. Thanks again. Thanks, man. Thank you. Antony. <laughs> <laughs>